Yeah, Mina. <laughs> so welcome. Apologies for that. Welcome to today's Bobblers podcast special. Uh, it's me, Dave Witchley, and I'm on my lonesome today. We're going to be doing things slightly different than what we normally do. Uh, we wanted to look at some of the signings we've made in, in greater detail. Uh, so to do that, firstly, we're joined by our well-loved blue analyst, Andy. We'll know as uh, El Pavote online. Obviously, he's a partner and recruitment analyst for Market Insights, obviously, as well as a scout. We then wanted to speak to an, a Norwich fan, really, to see what Godfrey's been like week in, week out from a fan's perspective. Not just on the pitch, but what's he like off the pitch as well? Uh, what can we expect uh, from Ben Godfrey as a signing? Uh, obviously, it was announced today for £20 million. Quite a young lad uh, at 22. So we've got Jacob coming on, who's a podcast can't even get words out, a podcast content provider for well-loved Norwich podcast at Cast Canary. Uh, and then last but by no means least, we've got our well-loved Colombian expert, uh, Simon Edwards. Simon, of course, is a South American uh, football journalist, a Colombian expert for well football and also the South American football show. Many of you have heard Simon probably uh, come on to speak about Hammers when we first signed him. But we wanted to know, since we signed Hamas Rodriguez, What's it been like in Colombia? How have Colombia bought into Everton? Have they bought into Everton? And what's been going on behind the scenes over there? Um, it's fair to say it's been a bit of a an international blue wave of excitement. So we have a bit more of a look into that. We discuss Yerimina, we discuss Hamas Rodriguez. And also we want to know what many of you will want to know too is what's Hamas's role likely to be in the international fixtures coming up for Colombia. He's obviously got uh, three games in seven days. Uh, the last game there against Chile will be a matter of days before the Merseyside derby fixture. So we'll be discussing what Hamas's role is likely to be in them fixtures in a bit more detail. Uh, and we'll all be nervously watching them, hoping that he doesn't get an injury because he's become an absolute godsend uh, of a player already for Everton Football Club. So, firstly, welcome, Andy. Thank you for taking the time out, which is no uh, on which is no doubt a busy day for yourself. Uh, obviously, this morning uh, it was announced by Everton that we have signed uh, Ben Godfrey. Uh, Patrick Boyland, the Athletic, reported that it's a twenty million pound fee with potential upkicks for the twenty-two year old, who ironically will also wear the number twenty-two jersey. Um, I always bow to your, your knowledge, mate, when it comes to some certainly some of these uh, players in the championship and, and obviously he was in the Premier League last year. Uh, what what can we expect out of Ben Godfrey? Well, you know, there's, what I would say about Ben Godfrey is there's, there's a couple of big pluses really in terms of whatever it needed. Number one, you know, he's, he's physically ready to play in the Premier League. You know, he's six foot, but he looks bigger because he's got long legs, well built. Uh, in terms of the physical profile that Everton needed he's quick as well over the ground much like Mason Holgate so I think the way you know it's going to work for Everton is obviously Michael Keane and Yerry Mean will fight out that stopper role 
um, and then you'll have Godfrey and Mason Hallgate for the cover centre back, the quicker centre back. So I think it gives us good options. I think um, in terms of passing out from the back, Godfrey's also played as a left centre back for a number of years. He can he can pass out from the back comfortably. He's got pass to the ball, good right foot, good long good range of passing as well. You know, needs to make better decisions at times when he tries the laser right foot switch, but you know he's capable of doing it on a consistent basis. I you know also he's a versatile player. I think Carlo spoke about having a smaller squad where you don't need as many players. And I think with Godfrey, I watched him quite a bit on loan at Shrewsbury under Paul Hurst in 2017-18. He was really, really good as a defensive midfielder. So he's really he doesn't want to play there anymore, he said, but he is capable of playing there. So offers Everton options. So overall, I think it's a, a really good sign. He's got a lot of upside. I would say there's, there's a couple of things to note in terms of his his defensive abilities. I think he still is developing as a centre back. He still gets drawn out sometimes into bad positions, and his and his, and his what we're, positional awareness can be sometimes a bit, uh, you know, tested a bit. But as I say, with Mason Holgate, you've seen the improvement with Mason. I don't see why Ben Godfrey can't make the same sorts of improvements in his defensive game. Fantastic, Andy. It's uh, it's interesting, really. Uh, obviously, when when we brought uh, Philip Jackie Elkin, and he was a similar kind of play where he was kind of marooned in between being a centre-half and a centre-mid. Um, you know, obviously similar size in terms of height. Is it, a lot of people have tried to compare him to, to Jagielka. Is there any comparison that you'd make with him? Yeah, I can, I can see some some similarities in, in, in the way the defender, the front foot defender. What I used to love about Jags is he'd also he close the space very quickly in Godfrey with his physical gifts in terms of his pace. And just what the type of player it is, he does close the space awfully quickly. So he cuts down angles for passes and crosses and, and shots quickly as well, which, you know, I like. And obviously that versatility, Jags did play defence midfield for Sheffield United before he came to Everton. And people be surprised, Jags was, Jags was quite quick as well, which Godfrey also is. I think Godfrey's probably got a much higher uh, upside as a passer really than Jags but no it's, it's probably quite a good comparison really I think Mason Holgate's another good comparison in, in terms of the type of player they are it's quite similar I think and in terms of the, the flaws that they had as, as younger players as well I think, and ironing out those flaws I think that, that they're quite good similarities as well Fantastic, mate. Uh, and, uh, you know, we always like to address the narratives. Uh, obviously, one narrative that you've seen already is, is people to say uh, you got relegated with Norwich. Why are we selling relegated? Why are we signing relegated players? What well, would you have any come back to that? Yeah, you know, we, I'm not a big fan of narratives like that. I've often pulled people <laughs> up on, on such narratives. I think, you know, Garner Gay was relegated with Aston Villa and people will probably see he's our best player, but obviously now Hammers is in the club. <laughs> in the, the last five years, you know, Garner was, maybe the wrong, of course, but Garner was great. Andy Robinson of the, of the, you know, the neighbours across the park there was relegated with Hull. Maguire was relegated with Hull. These are, you know, obviously it was terrible last night, but these are good players. You can pick up good players from relegated sides. I think, I think people need to, you know, you know, people often see people are rejects from Barcelona. James Rodriguez was a reject from Real Madrid. Alan wasn't once at Napoli. You know, you've got to put perspective on these things. You can pick players up for good prices. And I think what Everton have done is they've identified a young player who played well in the Premier League last year. It's in a struggling team. He's got a lot of upside. And I think they've looked at it with Carlo and, and Marcel Brands and thought we can mould him as a, as you know as a, as a top Premier League centre half. You've got to, you've got to trust them to do that. As I say, I'm never a fan of those narratives. Uh, fantastic. I mean, I mean, just like on what you say there, you know, you've already seen probably massive upturns in performance in, in, in Michael Keane and, and Yeri Mina, haven't you, under Ancelotti? Um, so, you know, they, they're obviously showing that they can actually coach these centre-halves as well. 
Um, he's Italian, it, isn't he? You know, the other that Italian influence <laughs> on centre backs. The cat, you know, Carlo grew up in an era where the Catanaccio was, you know, the the, the the art of defensive football was played at its at height. Obviously, he was played under Rico Sacchi, who changed all that. But no, I think Carlo and David and Duncan will obviously wait. You know, will, will develop him and playing against playing with better players as well. Obviously, you know. Rodriguez and Richarlison type players every week in training. They start to pose questions, and good players solve those. You know, solve those questions. I think Ben Godfrey is, and I think personality types are key as well. I think if you know, if you look at Ben Godfrey, he's always talking on the pitch. He's a leader. I think that that's another good sign. Sign of competitive, hungry players who want to win things. Exactly what 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 was said. Ironically, wasn't it towards the back end of the season as well? So, it's it's refreshing really to hear that, and it's refreshing to hear that we seem to be going for exactly what sometimes the fans perceive as you know as what's needed, and and, and obviously scouts mm. like yourself see it. Um, in terms of money, um, obviously we mentioned that the the athletic mentioned it was a twenty million fee. Do you think we're getting value for money, or do you think it's a fee that he's got to grow into as such? I think you, you, you make it. You, you basically put a pay. What, what I call it is you gamble on talent. It's twenty-two. You know, it's twenty million. Yes, that might be. I'd say that's around the right fee. I think Everton were quoted originally twenty-five million up front. Another masterful job by the negotiators and maybe Marcel Brands obviously being involved in that. We've we've got it down to a deal where you know obviously if we do we do well the price will go up to twenty. I think it's twenty-six million, isn't it? So it's it, overall I think it's a fair value deal. As I say, for twenty million in this market, you're getting a Premier League ready centre back. I think that's quite it's quite good business. I wouldn't have paid twenty-five million up front. That's that's just me. I think you've got you've got you've got there's going to be a balance there but I think I think overall we've got a good got a good price for a good player who enhances what we've got at centre back. Um, really interested that as well because I'd say that obviously he's just been despite being 22 as such he's, he's one of the overage uh, under 21 players there mm. he, he didn't actually have a lot of history with, with, with the younger side in England and he kind of come in in the under 20s under 21s Um what's the reason for that? Is it just sometimes you face fit at an early age or a bit of bored of a late developer? You do get like, he's a, I think he's a, a late developer really, you know, I think, you know, Norwich obviously, you know, I've sent him out on loads of shrews, but I had not Norwich were in a fashionable club, you know, so a lot of the time these players are picked from, it's very rare for the England youth sides, that's usually Man United, Chelsea's, Everton's, Liverpool's, Tottenham's, Arsenal's. They're, they're the ones who fill out the, those squads. I think with Ben Godfrey, you know, he came from York as a young lad to Norwich. I think that, that's another good story, by the way, with, the, with some of the fee going to York to save him. Um, I think, you know, he's developed and as he's got older, I think that move to Shrewsbury and the Paul Hayes was really big for him. He really, really shined there. They had Dan James and, and Dean Henderson, I think, alone at the same time. Maybe Dan James was the year before. But they had some good loan players at the same time. And I think same with Dean Henderson, another late developer. I think people... I think sometimes, play, obviously, in my job, we always look for those 17, 18-year-olds ready to break through. But sometimes it can be 19, 20, and before they sort of grow into the body or they sort of, it switches for them, especially with you know, defenders. It's, it's, it's a, such a cerebral position. Sometimes it takes them longer than sort of attackers. Fantastic. Uh, so I don't propose to take up too much more of your day, Andy. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure, as always, mate, uh, just to have your insight on that. Um, and it sounds like we, we're getting, you know, a, a, a very promising young player. I think it's fair to say who's uh, he's got plenty of scope for development. Yep, you've been nailed it there. Yeah. Thank you, Andy, as always. Uh, and uh, bye for now, Andy. I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll listen to you again on one of these uh, bubble podcasts if we have our way. Thanks for having me on. So, 
welcome to our third segment. Obviously introduced before, Simon Edwards, who's become a bit of a, a regular, it's fair to say, on the uh, the Everton content scene at the moment. Uh, for those who don't know Simon, uh, I'm surprised you haven't seen him on, on, on one of the uh, the podcasts or the shows that have been out there at the moment. But uh, Simon's obviously a South American journalist and, and a Colombian expert for the world of football, as well as the South American football show. Um, so, uh, well, good, good morning for you, Simon. So, good morning. Uh, you're well. Yeah, very well, thanks. Yeah, no, thanks for the invitation. It's been fun to to kind of lead the Colombian Everton cheerleading uh, squad. So it's been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it, honestly, it's uh, it, it's been a bit of a ride. I think it's fair to say, hasn't it? Um, I, I, when I say a ride, actually, because normally it's associated that with a roller coaster, but there's, you know, there's not been any downs at the moment. It's all been up um, since we've signed Hammers. Um, and uh, there's, there's lots been going on, hasn't there? You know, it's from... from uh, you what it's been like at, at your end, your side, but from our side, obviously we've seen little snippets of it. We obviously seen the, uh, you know, the activity in Bogota when we signed uh, Hammers. Um, we've seen obviously an influx of Colombian fans all of a sudden starting to follow Everton. Uh, the launch of like a Spanish and Portuguese speaking social media uh, for Everton Football Club, uh, and I'm told a lot of the American supporters groups have had an influx all of a sudden of Colombian and South American supporters turn up. And all wanting to be part. So, so how's it been over in Colombia and South America the last couple of weeks? Yeah, it's been huge. Like, I mean, really, uh, Everton are the Colombian national team that's playing in the <laughs> Premier League, as far as many Colombians are concerned. Um, every time Everton play, even if it's six thirty in the morning, you'll have uh, the top twenty trends. I saw last week were literally all uh, related <laughs> to Everton. Um, they were every single trend was related to Everton. They were either complaining about the commentators on the game, saying, ah, oh, these commentators are rubbish, or they were celebrating the players, having a go at Richarlison for missing a couple <laughs> of chances. You know, it's, yeah, he's going to get some stick if he, if he doesn't score them, because Colombians, uh, you know, they, they, lo- they love Hammers and they, they love what he's doing, but they want to see Richarlison <laughs> put him in the back of the net. And even Zidane was trending, because, you know, Zidane was the manager who, um, the one manager who didn't really like uh, Hammers and, and kind of sidelined him at Real Madrid. So uh, Zidane Calvo Iweputa was trending a lot. Uh, which I won't <laughs> translate, but it means bald, uh, bald something. Uh, that, that was trending in Colombia as well. So yeah, I mean, there's been so much enthusiasm, um, knockoff Columbia, uh, Everton shirts flying off the shelves. Um, some real ones as well, although they're quite hard to find. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, there's a, there's a lot of new Everton fans in Colombia because in terms of football in Colombia or in South America, it's traditionally been Real Madrid or Barcelona. Like those are the two teams that are hugely popular. And now with Ronaldo's moved on, Messi's having some issues. Like Honestly, Everton could quickly become the biggest team in Colombia. Um, front page news every time Ahmed plays. And, and I think there's probably more Colombians watching Everton than Evertonians. <laughs> That's fantastic to hear. You know, I'm, I'm sat here with a great big smile on my face. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's... Uh, it's just fantastic to hear. But one thing I did pick up on on you saying there, first of all, I was going to ask you, you said about the TV uh, being on at half six in the morning. Is that shown on, 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 on pay-per-view TV there or is it just free national TV or, or where would you pick the game up? Yeah, so it's on it's on ESPN uh, usually. Um, and a lot of people have that as part of their package. Um, it's not like a, you have to, it's a cable channel. Um, but it's not one that requires additional uh, payment. So if you sign up for internet and TV in your house, you probably have it. There are some pay-per-view uh, games as well here in Colombia uh, for the domestic league, which makes no sense because 
you know, anyway, they struggle to get numbers without that being pay-per-view. But yeah, it's it's a channel that I would say a good number of Colombians have. Uh, not everyone, but it's it's not, you know, a hugely expense, expensive additional cost. Um, and the games, the first game was 6.30 uh, or the second game, but recently we've had quite a few 9.30 a.m. So a lot of people waking up uh, on a Saturday or a Sunday morning and turning straight on the TV and you see all over social media, people there with their dogs <laughs> sat around in their their Everton shirts or their Hammer shirts watching the game. And even the even the Carabao Cup games have been shown here in Colombia. Nice. So even the, the first rounds, even when yeah. Hammers wasn't involved, um, they already bought the rights to show, uh, who were they playing? Solfers. Uh, some, yeah. some tiny teams. Yeah, Small, yeah that, was, that was on Colombian TV as well. So you can see how much interest. It just shows you, doesn't it? Um, one thing that I'm particularly interested in, because I, I sit on Everton's fans forum, I know you spoke to Tony from over out in Chicago, um, and I'm on that with, uh, with with Tony. And part of the thing that obviously you know that, that we're keen on uh, as fans is to make sure that the club are doing all they can to capitalise on, on on what's going on. You know, it's great to, to have you know this huge international following all of a sudden uh, from different parts of the world that we haven't previously had. Um, and you, I know you mentioned just when you were talking as well about the the shirts. Yeah, you know some of them were knockoff shirts because they're particularly hard to come by. How would you, at the moment, describe the ease of access for Everton merchandise over in Colombia? Is it possible? Is it all online? Could we be doing anything better? Yeah, I mean, so there's like Nike and there's Adidas stores and then there's some general sports stores. Um, But I don't think at the moment um, there's many routes for Hummel to get into Colombia. I haven't actually seen them. I've, I've seen the shirts I've seen. They've been bought online. Um, at huge cost in terms of getting them shipped over and the the, the dollar trans uh, you know translation, so it's it is tricky. It's definitely tricky. I think um, Everton could definitely look into an agreement with some of the local sports shops, Sports Line, for example, um, because and and the thing is, there's always going to be a lot of knockoff shirts. Colombia sells a hell of a lot of knockoff shirts. A lot of shirts coming from China, so that's always going to be strong. But there's definitely uh, a lot of Colombians who would like to pick up uh, a genuine shirt, hammers printed on the back. So I think definitely an agreement with some local suppliers um, would be a good idea. Uh, I'm sure it would work very well for everybody involved. Um, uh, There was mention that we were going to look at some pop-up stores there, so I'm really hoping that that, that's progressing because... You know, it's fact. You know, we we need to be celebrating this fact that there's this real appetite for Everton over in Colombia, don't we? And you know, and hopefully the Colombian fans can see that, that we're totally welcoming of that as well. And you know, the the, the part of the Everton family is such. It doesn't matter if you if you live a mile away from the grounds or you live thousands of miles away, hundreds of miles away. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Yeah, it's been it's been really nice to see how welcome the Colombian fans have felt. Um, Colombia, you know, has a reputation and Colombians are always desperate to to show the better side of their country. Um, Colombians are very proud of Colombia, but also very sensitive to the fact that when Colombia is mentioned, there'll be insensitive jokes about drugs and violence and Pablo Escobar. So Colombians are always keen to connect with the, the rest of the world and to show what Colombia is all about. So it's been great to see it working very well mutually. Uh, Colombians enthusiastically jumping on any Everton media. If I click on an Everton YouTube channel, there'll be 15, 20 <laughs> comments um, saying, hey, we love we love Everton with Colombian flags. And I've seen a lot of uh, Everton fans as well, you know, being very welcoming and appreciating the interest in, in the club. So, yeah, it's, it's been really nice to see. Um, I, I've seen it with uh, Rangers as well, when Rangers signed Morelos and 
I had Rangers fans in my inbox planning a pilgrimage to his place of birth <laughs> in, in rural, in rural <laughs> Colombia, the middle of nowhere in a dusty village. They were like, Simon, how can we get to, uh, to Alfredo's <laughs> place of birth? So it's, it's, it's amazing how um, football can bring together people from seemingly very different parts of the world and different cultures. And, and, you know, everyone can kind of get together and, you know, share experiences and that kind of stuff. So it's been, it's been great. No, to see. It's, it, it seems like a friend. It seems like a friendship made in heaven, like it was belonging all along. And it's just a pity. I seen you, you mentioned about Barrios before, um, you know, it's just hindsight sometimes. And, and it's, you know, it, obviously Gabalan's been really unlucky with injuries, but I remember quite fancying him when he was linked with Everton. Um, but you know, I'm sure now if that was on offer, they, they, they would have snapped the hands off and, and bought him as opposed to Kababan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, who knows? Hopefully, hopefully things work out. Um, but I, I just, I'm a huge fan of Wilma Barrios. He is, yeah, for me, he's Colombia's most important player. Um, and that's putting aside Hammers and Jerry Mina. Uh, he's a defensive midfielder, incredibly elegant. His uh, ball-winning numbers are amongst the best in Europe. Even if you look at the Copa Libertadores, uh, Copa America, the Champions League, he's just such a very, very good player. Very, very quick, very elegant. Basically, Colombian's entire system is held together by Wilma Barrios's legs <laughs> and his composure on the ball. So it would have been ideal, but you know, it is what it is. And uh, Everton look like they're in a good place. Yeah, these. I mean, it's one of them, is it? Sometimes these things just don't happen. Sometimes, how you wish they would, they, they had done. Um, I think I spoke to you a couple of times on, on, on social media and inadvertently on our County Road Bobblers um, Twitter handle talk when, when we first signed and there was it's probably the best way to describe it as a bit you know a bit of naive reporting from, from English journalists um, you know you had the kind of lazy um, throwaway comments like you know what's he done since 2014 and all that kind of stuff uh, you know Darren Bent suggesting that Callum Wilson was a better sign and Richard Key saying he's not convinced and Likes of Jason Cundy, uh, Jason Cundy on Talksport saying he was unsure. Um, I, I know that you were quick to, to respond to that, um, but do you feel a certain level of comfort now? Uh, uh, com- you know, uh, happiness now that obviously he's five games in, three goals, three assists, and now all of a sudden all them kinds of lazy narratives have been flipped on the red. Yeah, yeah, and look, I, I think everyone can get kind of caught up in the narrative of things. Um, and I wasn't completely immune to that. You know, you see him, okay, maybe he's, uh, he's less important in Real Madrid. He's slipping down the pecking order. He's grumbled a little bit about his experience in Germany. You know, so there's, there's certain things to go, well, maybe. But then, you know, just looking at his raw numbers and his contributions and his goals and his assists, you know, across his time in Europe, he averaged a goal or an assist every 90 minutes. So you, you take that, you know, whenever he's on the pitch playing at the highest level, in the biggest leagues, he's either scored or set up a goal. So I, I was I was confident. But again, you know, there's also this whole hype about England, a very physical league. Can he handle it? Can he can he cover the ground he needs to cover? Is he going to defend? And you've seen that he's he's won the ball and he's done enough defensively, despite rarely sprinting. Yeah. Um, but but when he gets on the ball, he can he can put it wherever he wants, and uh, he can see things that other players can't see. And it's just. The fact that he gets 94% pass completion and yet every one of his passes is over 40 yards or is a through ball or is a quick one-two or a reverse pass. You know, there's, there's so few simple passes he makes and yet still retains the passing numbers of a very, very conservative central defender. It's, it's ridiculous. So, yeah, I've, 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 been, I've been pleasantly surprised that it's gone so well, but I had no doubts that he would 
he would improve Everton. Uh, and when you're signing a player, that's kind of the starting point. And I think, yeah, he's he's been incredible. And uh, it's been so much fun to watch. And, and again, like, if, if Hammers had been playing for Everton, I'd, I'd be tuning yeah. in. But I wouldn't be making it the most exciting point of my weekend, <laughs> like, if he hadn't been playing as well as he's been playing, you know. So I think the enthusiasm Colombians have is not only that he's playing there at Everton, but he's playing his best football again. And uh, he's, he's playing the role he plays for Colombia, where he just takes control of the game and always wants it, always trusts himself, will always get someone out of trouble by receiving under pressure, and then will do something positive with it. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. Well, I don't know if you watched much of us last season. That was kind of a big thing that was discussed, how quite often we didn't, you know, we didn't have anyone brave enough to take the, take the ball forwards. Um, and we were always looking for that kind of easy pass up, which backwards, sideways, um, and you know that it's been a, a really pleasing watch to see him kind of step inside and then then look for that that you know and all, almost the trust has has changed the play that Richardson is. You know, he, he, where he'd normally be standing waiting for the ball, he, he's on he's on his bike straight away as soon as Hammers gets the ball. Yeah, absolutely. And you've, you've even seen, you know, Michael Keane stepping out of the defence and pinging a perfect through ball. <laughs> you know, it's the, the hammer's influence, you know, he's, he's got everyone playing. Um, I just think you just you just need to get Pickford to stop playing like hammers. Oh, stop trying to yeah, play like hammers. Yeah, you, yeah it, I, that's, the, that's the one thing that Colombians have noticed, that Pickford thinks he's Rene Higuita, but he's more like uh, Oscar Cordova, <laughs> who, was, who was the limited goalkeeper. A very good goalkeeper, a good shot stopper, but never wanted it to his feet um, whereas Rene Higita loved at his feet and I think Pickford's got a bit of the Higita enthusiasm but with none of the, none of the quality on the ball I, I, think, I think you've nailed it perfectly better than I could ever say there um, at times you know it's the basics that you just want to see get your keeper get right at times and then anything else you know you're happy with but he seems to be trying to do the latter and forget the yeah, drawing drawing the pressure and then panicking it's like either just play it quick or get it forward, or you know, do something, but don't wait for the striker to get really close and then go, oh, shit, as quickly as you can. But hey, it is what it is. I mean, if we're just grumbling about a few wayward goal kicks, then I think the news is mostly positive. No, it's fantastic, you know, and we, all the Evertonians are in, in fever pitch at the moment, especially to see the rivals over the park, um, you know, get absolutely rousted yesterday as well. Um, so the mood, moods are Everton at the moment and in the city and right across the world by all accounts seem to be buzzing in the spirit of the blues as the, as the song goes uh, we've even got John Travolta talking about it which says it all but uh, talking about John Travolta we've seen some silky dance moves that, that have gone on at the weekend um, I, I kind of grew up um, and my granddad loved South American football so whenever the World Cup was on I'd go around to my granddad's house and what always struck me is you know not only the, the, the kinds of style of play the South Americans tend to play where you know depending on which nation there was different tweaks and different styles but uh, you know certainly with the goal celebrations were always something that stood out and really kind of summed up you know the World Cup for me you know embracing the different cultures and the dance moves and uh, we see obviously see the Macarena didn't we at the weekends is that something we can expect all the time from from uh, Mina now that Hammers is there with him yeah I hope so um, look, I mean Hammers Hammers is a bit more conservative he's like he's you know he's a bit of a He's, he's he's less he's less embracing the kind of the twerking the wild directions. <laughs> he's more of a, a like a mellow salsa kind of guy, but he'll get involved. He'll get involved. He kind of gets dragged into the dancing in the Colombian team, um, but he's quite happy to he's he's quite happy with it now. 
Um, but yeah, Jerry Mina, like Jerry Mina is the best person in the world. Like, <laughs> he'll have his bad games or whatever. But honestly, I, I wish Jerry Mina was my, my, my brother or my best friend or whatever, because that guy is just pure joy. And you look at all his charity work in Colombia. You look at the way he makes everyone happy, his representation of Colombia as well. And it's nice to have Hammers there and Jerry there who represent different aspects of Colombia. Um, you know, Colombia is a very diverse country. Jerry Mina comes from the Pacific area of the country, uh, which has a very different culture to Hammers, who grew up in Medellin, was from Cucuta. So it's, it's just a great reflection of Colombia and the diversity, but also the joy and the expression and all that stuff. You know, Colombians aren't always dancing, but um, the way the Colombian football team kind of represents Colombia, uh, you look down back to the 2014 World Cup. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great source of pride as well, the, the teams and, and the way the charity work they do as well. Um, you know, I think Colombian footballers are, are a real credit to the country and really show the best side of the country as well. Fantastic. You know, obviously, I'd, I'd take it you've seen a lot of the Everton and the community stuff. You know, it's a massive thing for us in, in this mm. city, obviously, in Liverpool as well, you know, the community side of things. So I think both of them, uh, obviously, Yeri Mina has been well embraced and, you know, he, he, continually, he, he continually improves for me game on game, year by year. Uh, and I think we've got a football in, footballer there in Yeri Mina that we can trust. Um, so the one thing on on the tips of every Evertonian's lips at the moment is that they're beginning to worry now because they've seen all this great size of, of Hammers' game, and uh, and he's an Everton player, and now we've lost him onto a plane back to South South America. Um, so we, it's not just any game he's coming back to. Obviously, he's got Venezuela hasn't he, on the tenth. He's then got probably a, a kind of physical tough game on the fourteenth, but then he's then got the, the Merseyside derby, which at the moment is a top of the table clash and one we definitely want to win. So there's a lot of Evertonians panicking about, uh, you know, obviously that's kind of uh, three games within seven days, and then he's got that tough game in Chile and he's straight back into a derby. Should we be worrying? What how, what what do you think his involvement will be over there? Yeah, I think it's going to be key. As I said, these are World Club. World Cup qualifiers now um, and to be honest <laughs> players are dropping like flies you know in terms of this qualifying um, with the COVID protocols each country has got different rules and you know the the announced squads have been all reduced by three or four players already and they brought in replacements so um, it's it's not ideal for Everton um, hopefully he has a good game and hopefully um, he's able to come off at some point Venezuela's a much improved side um, they were once San Marino and they're now suddenly very much in the top five or six teams in South America. Uh, it's very, very competitive South American World Cup qualifying. It's done over a league system over a number of years. The top four go straight to the World Cup and the fifth goes to a continental playoff. So there's no easy games. Um, James is going to be off to Bolivia to play at, uh, you know, uh, play... Uh, at extreme altitude, he's going to be in Barranquilla, where it's 40 degrees. He's going to be in the south of the continent, where it's about three degrees. So, <laughs> yeah, when you when you sign a player in the World Cup, South American World Cup qualifiers, they're going to get quite a few stamps in their passport and travel uh, across the continent. So it's not ideal. Um, he's going to be the leader for Colombia. They've lost a couple of players. He looks like he's going to play on the right side of a 4-3-3, um, as he does for Everton. So... It should give him continuity, but but whether he comes back in his best condition, um, we'll have to see. Oh, there'll be a couple of people shaking listening to that. <laughs> but it's... Yeah, well, I'm, 
I'm sure I have some Everton fans tuning in and uh, perhaps more worrying about Hammers uh, ducking out of challenges than, uh, than, than maybe the result. But, you know, it'd be nice to get some support over there for the Colombians this time. Yeah, no, I, you know, and again, it, I'm sure the feeling's mutual. I'll be tuning into both the games there uh, against Venezuela and also Chile as well. So it's... Uh, I think Colombia may have got a, you know a massive scouts following overnight almost. Um, so we'll be watching. We'll be watching, just hoping that he runs the game, but then doesn't get injured in the meantime. Because <laughs> uh, he's, we do feel like he's our key to unlock uh, this Liverpool side, which has been pretty dominant up until the weekend. Um, so uh, no, it's uh, it's fantastic to hear. Um, you know. The Colombian Blues are, are, are absolutely flying, um, and uh, it was nice to see him in that yellow top. Of the, you know, the other day as well. Um, he's got similar colours, such haven't we with Colombia at the moment with some of our shirts. Uh, and you know, it's nice to see him get a couple of goals as well. You know, left foot, right foot, but it was a similar kind of run, wasn't it, into the box that he put. You know, it kind of delayed, intelligent run into the box. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, it's good to see him get a couple of goals. Um, and, I, and I think he'll get quite a few more as well. Cutting in from the right-hand side onto that left foot. Um, I, I can see him bending a few in this year. Maybe maybe 10, 15. And we'll see, we'll see. Let's oh. not get carried away. But so far, so good. You get as excited now, Simon. <laughs> so uh, thank you very much, Simon, for your, uh, your time today. You've been an absolute gentleman. Best of luck to Colombia um, going into these games. And uh, we'll be cheering them on as well. Absolutely. Thanks very much for the invite. And uh, yeah, let's, let's let's keep it going. <laughs> keep the friendship there. Bye for now, Simon. <laughs> so just on our second segment, I'd like to welcome Jacob from the well-loved um, Norwich um, podcast CanaryCast, which is at CastCanary on Twitter. Um, welcome, Jacob. Thank you for having me on, mate. It's a pleasure to come on and uh, speak about one of our former crown jewels <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much mate for agreeing to come on today um so just before we get into to uh to the crown jewel as such um just a quick as means of quick introduction uh obviously you do this podcast uh, podcast yourself the canary cast yes uh, how, how long have you been running that for it's almost been a year, mate. And ironically, it was um, our first game was after we beat you guys at Goodison Park. So we thought, oh, it's all going to be positive, <laughs> all uphill from there. And then, yeah, we had yeah. Um, kind of a, a very long, hard season, especially after lockdown, where it was like, God, do we really need to be doing this anymore? Because it was just like nine, ten defeats <laughs> in a row. And um, yeah, but classic Norwich. So, but yeah, really enjoy it. You get the fan engagement. I'm sure you completely agree when you get like fans loving your channel and kind of that interaction. Nothing beats it really, does it? No, no, you're quite right. Uh, sometimes they're the hardest ones when you've got to talk <laughs> about something and you really just don't want to talk about it. But uh, it's all part of the uh, the roller coaster, as such, isn't it? That's it, mate. That's what um, never boring day, is it? So, um, what um, are, are you a season ticket holder, or you know, is it home and away, or what? What do you tend, what do you tend to do match wise? Obviously, we can't go at the moment, but you know, when normality is here. Yeah, mate. So mostly, mostly at home, and then away. Try and get to whenever you can. I. Uh, I was at the last away one where we went to um, Spurs in the, in the cup, and that was that was an absolutely brilliant night. We won there on penalties in the FA Cup, and it was just fantastic. You kind of keep looking through my phone at those memories and those celebrations. It's like, <laughs> oh, football's just not the same about the fans, is it at the moment? No, no, it's. It, I don't know about you, but it, it, it's hard sometimes, isn't it? You know, you can't get that passion when you're at the game and everyone's diving on each other when a goal goes in. And yeah, oh, yeah, there's nothing yeah. that beats kind of. Um, 
um, hugging and kind of standing on a random stranger. <laughs> we, we always call it limbs when you get thrown down, like two or three <laughs> yeah. rows. But yeah, there's, there's none of that at the moment because we're all watching it in our house. And you can't, of course, you can't even go to the pub at the moment, you know, with, with friends to watch it. So hopefully we'll get there, mate. Hopefully we'll get there. Um, so obviously the big news for Everton today, um, well, I think it's been, uh, you know, not really a secret as such, but Ben Gonfrey deal has been worked on last week. And obviously it's been announced this morning after being signed, I think Saturday, Sunday. Um, so I'll probably start with, in terms of Godfrey, uh, you signed him from York in 2016. That's it, mate. Um, what, what was he like when you bought him? Yeah, so he's kind of he kind of came in and we saw him as like a, obviously he's about six foot two. He had a, the frame there, but not really the the physicality. So they they kind of worked on that. We didn't really see him. We um, loaned him out to Shrewsbury, and he um, in their League One campaign where they went to the playoff final, he played in a defensive midfield role and he looked incredible. I remember a, a cup game where against West Ham away, who were obviously in the Premier League at the time, and he ran the show. He was against Premier League midfielders. You're thinking this lad has got some serious serious talent. He then comes back to us and then, um, yeah, um, again, for half of the season of our promotion campaign, he, he wasn't in. We had um, Tim Closer in instead of him. He then got injured and Ben just came in and was a breath of fresh air, really. We hadn't, we'd seen Tim Closer, a good centre-back who had decent passing, but Ben kind of took that to the next level. And you could see his pace. His pace is a, a big attribute and you'll see that yourselves when he um, plays for you that he's just such a very quick centre-back. And yeah, he was brilliant. And he's kind of just went on that ride with the rest of the team for the half of the season. And last season was difficult for him and, and the whole team, really. You know, we conceded about 75 goals and not many were his fault, but there, there were parts of his game which he does, definitely does need to improve at the top level. He did get caught out a couple of times. But again, um, he came into this season um, and looked, yeah, at, at far too good for the championship. So he is Premier League ready, just a couple of bits he needs to improve on. It's interesting, actually, because I mean, looking at his game and, and seeing a few games, just it's not not anywhere near as much as you. He, he almost reminds me of a, a young Philip Jagielka. Yes, um, mate. I've seen a couple of um, signs about that, and he he has uh, one thing I I would relate to him and Jagielka is his passion and his determination. He will leave out everything on that pitch, and there is never a question of his desire, which is, of course, what you want to see from a from your, your leading centre back, really. Yeah, well, it was something I'm gonna, I was going to ask you on, particularly actually that, and it, it's almost like we scripted this, <laughs> but we can we can show anyone listening that we haven't. <laughs> uh, we 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 often say, uh, and I'm sure you you know you'll be exactly the same, but you know, Everton fans always like a certain type of player um, in terms of characteristics. Uh, often that tends to be you know a player who's who's first on the training ground, who, who's perceived to work really hard, really committed, and run through a brick wall. Uh, and judging from what you're saying, would you say that was the kind of fit for him in terms yeah, of the way he is? Yeah, completely spot on. I remember in our promotion campaign a lot. His um, when you score a goal, Ben Godfrey is the best player to have because his celebrations are. He, you can see, he feels it. He's got every single emotion. He's a proud Yorkshireman who obviously they they love to give that passion. And yeah, he is. He pulls uh, some funny faces at times when there are celebrations. But yeah, <laughs> um, he, he does um, show 100% commitment. I can never question, even when the, the speculation of Everton is. He's never kind of come out and thrown his his toys out of the pram, saying he's far too good for this level. Um, but yeah, he's, he's very passionate about the club he plays for. And you can see his determination of wanting to kind of, he knows where he wants his career to be. And this seems like the, the perfect move, uh, the next step for him, really. 
Fantastic, you know, it's, it's like music to me is listening to that. Um, you know, you, you know, I suppose seeing your fans' reaction, you know, I've only ever seen positive stuff online, which is yeah. which is always good. You know, it's always a good sign because you, you you know that the player you're signing is is you know moving with the consent of the fans, which almost you know his attitude spot on then. That's, that's it, mate. Yeah, you're spot on there. Yeah, he's he's been brilliant for us and kind of done a lot of community work, which I know a lot of footballers do. But he's he ne- he's never kind of flashy about that sort of thing. There's other players in our squad, and obviously, I imagine you've seen in your time where it's all about the kind of the Puma deals and Nike deals, and he's just not about that. It's all about the football for him, and you can see that he will just yeah is a hundred percent fully focused on football, which it, which is is great to see, really. It's interesting you should say that because obviously we've got a big part of Everton Football Club as the charity as well, Everton, in the community. Um, say Ben Godfrey's got, got involved in charity work and stuff, did you say? Yeah, yeah, he's he's been very, very kind of hands-on with that. You, you see a lot of the, the kind of young kids that, because we've obviously got Norwich and Norfolk Hospital near us, he's been up there a lot and you always see him in and around it and kind of giving shirts away for free. I know, I know it's an easy kind of, some would say PR sell, but I don't, I don't feel that from him. You feel that it's kind of very sincere. And there's a lot of, um, well, you, like you said earlier, there's a lot of fans who are just happy to see him go, but gutted to see such a, a, a nice, good lad go. And um, kind of, we're, we're happy that he's going to go and prosper in his career and take the next step. But it would have been lovely to have kept him for a little bit longer because you want those characters around the dressing room. And he, he will add to just a, a, di- a different dynamic to your dressing room, I'm sure. He's very ambitious for what? He's only 22. But he, he's a leader as well. He's um, very vocal on the pitch and <laughs> he's had quite a few um, arguments with our goalkeeper, Tim Crawl over the time, who are both very passionate. But you love to see that at the end of the day. They only wanted the best for Norwich and I'm sure he'll only want the best for Everton now. Yeah, fantastic to hear because we, we were actually saying last season what one thing that we probably did miss was, well, a midfield, obviously, <laughs> um, which which we seem to have kind of solved that trick now. But uh, obviously it was leaders. Um mm. And uh, you know, a lot of us were saying pre-season we'd like to see anyone that we brought, we we did bring in, is to have them leadership qualities. So, uh, obviously, hearing that the fact that he has got, you know, he's not afraid to to speak out is is fantastic. Yeah, um, mate. yeah, so, he's been captain for us and for the the under twenty ones at England. So it shows that he's kind of uh, yeah a leader in the dressing room and a kind of beyond his years in terms of his um, kind of personality and mentality. Really, any warning signs? You know, uh, you know. When I say this, I mean you know. Obviously, when we had Ross Barkley uh, and Everton, you know, <laughs> the kind of go, going out club and having a drink and all that kind of stuff. Which you know, it's the human beings at the end of the day, footballers. But I'm just wondering, you know, is that the, his personality? You know, to go out and have a drink, or is he more the kind of laid back professional type? I think he's very, very professional, mate. I think he he's got um, the only thing I would say is is his agency is um, very like I was I was. Um, definitely sure he was leaving because his agents were very sure on right you are Premier League level and he's got Rio Ferdinand in his corner as well as kind of a, an advisor um, it's kind of a difficult kind of um, relationship there but yeah I wouldn't let's just say if he does well for Everton I would not be surprised if Rio's touting him for Manchester United because he's very much a, he sees um, himself in Ben Godfrey he has done for years and kind of touted him saying he's probably a bit too good for Norwich he needs to move soon so that's the only thing I'd say there his agency are very kind of they want him to get to the top level as quick as possible Really proactive then mm. uh, it's the same well to be honest it's the same Mason Holgate signed on the same agency 
yeah. he's the same with Rio Ferdinand, so he's he's under the same branch there, which it does make you wonder at times, doesn't it? <laughs> the connections and stuff, what have you. Um, so uh, the, the, uh, one thing I did pick up on you, you were talking about um, about the passing size, which is it, obviously that it, versatility-wise, he's just mainly played centre-half then for Norwich. Yeah, so when he first kind of joined, we had him in a couple of cup games at right back. And I think he has filled in at left back as well. But I wouldn't say that was uh, his kind of main position at all. He can play there. He's, he's definitely got the pace to, um, to play out on the fullbacks if you're really, really desperate for a fullback. But um, yeah, mainly centre-back. We've always kind of had a debate, Norwich fans, can he play in uh, central defensive midfield? Because he's got the engine for it. Well, um, I don't know if you've yourself has seen the kind of um, clip where he's um, running back from his from the Stoke box um, to his own box in in about five seconds. He, he he runs back from there and catches the player before he shoots. So he's definitely got the engine. He's got the pace. To, and I'd just say he'd probably get caught out in midfield. I'm not sure he's got the the intelligence to play there. I might be wrong the top level but mainly at centre-back and I think he likes that time um, at centre-back to be able to look up and play the passes instead of that just midfield madness in there um, yeah he, he's played mainly left centre-back for us so that kind of helps out he, he's a lot stronger on his right than his left he's, he's fine on his left but he's definitely um, good at bringing the ball out as well I'd encourage him to do it more and hopefully he does for everything I, I'd say if he if you guys ever play three at the back he'll look like an absolute Rolls, Rolls Royce but he's more than capable of playing four at the back as well Fantastic. Uh, and just two more questions I was going to ask you. Sure. Uh, first one, what would you say his biggest strength is? Biggest strength definitely is pace. Uh, he, if he makes a pro- if he makes himself a problem and uh, loses the ball or whatever, he will catch the player up. Fantastic. And, and uh, what would you say his biggest weakness is? Uh, this is uh, one for debate and Norwich fans might disagree with me, but I'd say there's a couple in terms of in the air. I wouldn't say he's the strongest with his frame. He's a, he's a big boy. You'll see him when you uh, watch him. He's a big lad for only six foot two. His frame's perfect, really, but he doesn't use that enough for me. He sometimes gets barged out off the ball a bit too easily. And um, in behind, um, he's not very good at turning, which is surprising for a quick centre-back. You'll, again, you'll see what I mean. But yeah, if he's getting turned quite easily, he, he struggles to kind of, on the half turn, he struggles to move quickly. So I'd say, and in behind as well. If there's a, I remember Aguero absolutely done him a couple of times in the game. We famously beat them 3 2. I know he's a top class operator, Sergio Aguero, but yeah, I'd, I'd, against the top, top teams in behind is, is where he, he will struggle initially. But I think Carlo Ancelotti will quickly sort that out considering the calibre of centre back he's had before. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's it's not a case of not having weaknesses. Mm. You know, some of the you know every any player you look at across the world's got weaknesses by being able able to work on them and recognise them. So hopefully, like you say there, Carlo Ancelotti, uh, these Italians seem to know how to uh, to defend. <laughs> so hopefully, uh, he helps that out. Uh, so thank you very much, uh, Jacob, for coming on today. Uh, you've been an absolute gem, mate. Um, I hope uh, Norwich are back in the Premier League before now. A uh, fantastic club, and, you know, fantastic uh, fan base over at Norwich. Thank you, mate. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for your, thank you for your time this afternoon. No, no worries, mate. Thank you. A real pleasure actually seeing Everson. You know that you've conducted yourselves well. We had obviously your rivals trying to bid for Jamal Lewis and kind of did it in a, a, a proper badly way, really. And the fans were not great. Into but Everton, proper club, kind of they they wanted their man. They bidded the correct amount of money, and I, I've really enjoyed kind of interacting with your fans recently about about Ben. And I hope he just kind of grows and grows, and you do well this season. The feeling's mutual, mate. You're an absolute gentleman. Great. All right. Cheers, bye. Mate. Bye for now, Jacob. Thank you. Cheers, mate.
So that concludes our episode today. It was slightly different. I hope you've enjoyed it. And there was a lot of good insights from different perspectives about some of these top players that we're bringing to the club. It's nice to go into this international break with our shoulders high and smiles on our faces. The spirit of the Blues is literally flying at the moment in a blue wave of excitement. In Carlo Ancelotti we trust and we go onwards and upwards together. We'll speak to you soon and the Bobblers will be back with a review of the Brighton game. But for now, Nil Satis Nisai Optiman, enjoy. <laughs>